You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. All right. Well, we are fortunate once again to have Jason Minix with us. I just wanted to take a moment and say this is the last week we'll have Jason with us. And um, I am deeply grateful for the time we've shared. And uh, you've been a huge gift to this community. So thank you. Welcome, Jason. Good morning. How are y'all doing? It is a problem for me speaking after Jamie leads worship. It kind of gets me choked up a bit. So I'm going to blame him if I'm a little tearful this morning starting out. That and I have a daughter who just had prom last night. And uh, so there you go. I'm a preemptive griever, so I'm already getting ready for her to leave for college. All right, welcome. So it's been a delight to be with you the past few Sundays. Um, We've been exploring the wisdom of uncertainty and how we might experience God in the unclear places of our journey, um, in the places where we feel lost sometimes. Through embracing peace, thirst, new life. And today, (laughs) if I can make it through it, we're going to look at the art of listening. Um, Have you ever felt really listened to by someone? Like, can you think of someone in your life who really gave you that experience? You're like, wow, they really got me. What did they do that made you feel like they really understood you? You can shout it out if you want. I don't know if y'all do that very often, but eye contact, yeah, that's a good one. I I tend to nod. You have any nodders in here when you listen? I see a few nodding people now. That's great. Well, have you noticed how listening isn't all equal? Like sometimes people seem like they're listening, but we're not really listening. I have a few things I've just learned to do over time because it's my job to listen. So I do that, like I'll nod, I'll be like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And usually my teenage daughter will actually say at some point, are you even listening to me? To which I'll say, yeah, but would you repeat the last part? Because I think that part was really important. (laughs) Then the game is up, of course. Um, Listening is pretty important. And it can actually affect our well-being. Um, how many, do we have like cat people in here? Anybody like cats? We got some cat people. Okay. So I've got a picture of my neighbor's cat. And um, his name's Max. They have a lot of other nicknames for him because they don't really like him because he doesn't really like them. <laughs> but when I go over to the house, this cat comes out and finds me and just throws himself at me. Like he starts rubbing against my feet and he goes on his belly and they just sit there with their mouths open like, what is going on with our cat? What did you do? Um, And they want to give me this cat, but I'm not. They're like, do you want our cat? I'm like, I don't feel right about it. They think I have like some specific cat pheromone that works just on him. And I'm like, what's the big deal? And they said, well, he's kind of dangerous actually. 
I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's just unpredictable. I'm like, no, he's fine. He's fine. So I'm over there one day, and I'm petting Max. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling a story. They asked me a question. And at some point, Wendy, my neighbor, is like, hey, Jason, you should be careful. He's getting a little frisky. And I was like, no, no, he's fine. You know, I'm the cat whisperer, remember? It's fine. And she's like, okay, okay. So I'm talking. She's like, you should be careful. And I'm like, ah, it's fine. And then before I know it, he takes both paws and he grabs my arm and just he has me. And then he puts my hand in his mouth and he just, and I'm like, I'm stuck. <laughs> and then he looks at me and with his back paws, he just quickly goes whoosh, whoosh, and makes these, this X mark with four deep lines through my, the back of my arm. I still have like a scar. And then he just kind of looks at me and smiles and then, like, lets go of my arm and just starts purring again. Like, not, like nothing happened. <laughs> and I look at Wendy, my neighbor, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm super embarrassed because my arm's bleeding. <laughs> and I'm, like, trying to hide it. Because I wasn't listening, clearly, <laughs> to what was going on. So listening's really important. That's the whole point of that story. <laughs> Someone tells you to be careful. They have a dangerous cat. They probably do. So that's the main point. Throughout scripture, though, there is this emphasis on deeper listening, one that happens at the level of empathy. And when we listen really deeply, it has the capacity to change us. Jesus often associates the ability to hear with the openness or the softness of our heart. And I'm going to share in these words to some of his students. They're kind of missing the point of his teaching like he's using a metaphor and they're taking it really literally. And he kind of challenges them in these words. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls? pieces did you pick up? Their emotional state, how they were feeling, affected their ability to listen, but to, more than that, to even hear. And today we're going to lean into this snapshot of what it looks like to really embrace listening in three primary areas of our life. I think sometimes when we think of um, church, we think of like the things people say, and I, I kind of have this fantasy, like, what would it be like if a church became known for its listening? Like, how cool would that be? If people thought of UBC and they're like, wow, if you want to be listened to, you should talk to someone there. So I want to just pose this question, what happens when we listen to ourselves today? And what happens when we listen to the truth? And when we listen to others with a soft heart? So that's what we're going to explore today. I'm going to get into some detail in places. So I always invite people to ignore like 90% of this, okay? So if there's something you're like, ah, I don't think that's for me, just feel free to play on your phone or do something else. Okay. So in our brief story today, we see Jesus is making a series of decisions informed by listening in these areas. So if we take a look at Mark chapter 1. Verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. 
When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the villages nearby so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So our story starts with Jesus slipping away into the dark morning to be alone. And I often wonder, how did Jesus know it was time to be away? And my sense is it was because he listened to himself. He listened to what he needed, even in the midst of all the other voices. Listening to ourselves shows us what we need. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. So just to give you a picture of what's happening, this moment happens in the middle of all these impossible things. Like one after the other, Jesus has been gathering this group of students. He's been casting out unclean spirits. He's been healing person after person. And essentially, it gets to the end of the day, and like the town is bringing all of their sick to his door. He can't even sleep, really. And a couple chapters later, after this moment, we see that Jesus kind of gets to the end of his limits. Like he was healing so many people, he stopped eating. He had to be pulled away, restrained. And those closest to him said, he's out of his mind. He's just beside himself. So basically, it's like this. He started a new job. He's super excited about it. He's really good at it. And he becomes a workaholic. He faces burnout pretty quickly. And then in the middle of all this, at some point, though, Jesus knew he needed to sneak away. He listened to himself. So I worked this week on this really amazing high-tech visual of these three circles. <laughs> it took me like an hour or two to do that, so you should be really impressed. Um, it's basically just three circles, in case you're following online. And in one circle, it says self, and the other, it says truth, and the other, it says others. So starting out, when we look at listening to ourselves, this is the ability to really be in your own shoes, to really empathize with our own needs, and to act on those. How many people would say it's hard for you to listen to what you need and to advocate for it? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, I'll just put my hand up. It's hard when we get in the midst of relationships to really tune into what do I need right now? You know, um, do I need to go for a walk? Do I need sleep? Do I need food? Do I need to talk? Do I need to not talk? Um, so there's these challenges, I think, to self-listening. So one is we can get so focused on others and care so much about what they think and expect. I was imagining what would have happened if Jesus just waited for others to be okay with him turning his phone off or shutting off his Instagram or Facebook and just taking... Like, if he waited for everyone to be cool with it, he never would have left. He never would have gone away. I think sometimes we get so locked in to being connected or fear of missing out. Um, anybody with a little bit of FOMO every now and then? Or so empathetic of what other people expect of us. Or fearful of their judgment. You know, like, if I'm not available, they're going to be so mad at me. We wait and wait and wait for permission outside of ourselves to rest. And so we often get out of our minds. <laughs> the other one that comes up is some of us carry the myth of indispensability, like we're super important. Does anybody have that thought, if I don't do it, nobody else will? Anyone? 
That's another one that can kind of keep us on the hamster wheel. And I'm just naming, here's some challenges to listening to ourselves. And then another one is sometimes we over-listen to the truth. We can over-utilize our rational thoughts and beliefs to minimize or dismiss um, our own, sorry, we can over-utilize rational thoughts and beliefs to minimize our own thoughts, emotions, or gut, or our body. Like we don't know how to listen to our body sometimes. Um, how many people are really good at minimizing their thoughts and emotions? Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I'm tired, I'm hurting, but who am I to complain? It's not as bad as blank, right? It's like, ah, oh, it's just first world problems, I shouldn't really. Here's, here's the problem, you want to know the problem with minimizing? <laughs> One, it doesn't work. <laughs> it really doesn't. Because our pain and our needs are contextual, like they're different and valid for every person just based on what you're used to. So if you pretend like you're not suffering, it's not like you stop suffering. You, it's like you take a beach ball and push it underwater, and then it comes like shooting up over here, and you're like, whoa, why did he say that? <laughs> why is he being a jerk all of a sudden? It's like, because he has no pain. <laughs> I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> um, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it basically when we minimize our pain we don't deal with it we don't care for it we don't get support and we transmit that suffering to other people it's not not a great strategy so i want to invite us to practice listening to ourselves this week and one of the ways you could do that is just to ask a couple questions like what's it like to be me right now and i want to invite you to just do that you don't have to say it out loud unless you want to. <laughs> What's it like to just take a minute to kind of go inward and check in? Like, what do you notice? What are you feeling? What's happening in our body? You might notice the seat's a little uncomfortable. You might be like, this is really awkward. Um, it might be confusing. This might be like, wow, this is really cool. I hope that's someone's experience. <laughs> Just check in and see what's present for you. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was, I was like super spiritual. And I, um, I prayed one day, I was like, God, I'm just going to give you all my needs. I'm just going to trust you with all my needs. And it was one of the few times I felt like I heard God in a very annoyed tone, like in my thoughts, be like, I gave you your needs to take care of. Why do you keep giving them back to me? <laughs> it's like, hey, do your job, Jason. You know, it's like, oh, okay, got it. Like, I need to like pay attention to sleep and things like that. So Jesus listened to himself. He felt something. Maybe he was overwhelmed by the needs of others to be whole, but he listened to his feeling or his thought or his instinct, and he pulled away to be with himself and God. And out of this time alone, he emerges with renewed clarity of his life's purpose and work. And we see from here how listening to truth shows us what to do. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. 
So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. It simply says he prayed. And out of this, he's able to make a directional decision to refocus on where he needs to go. And what I like about this is it kind of seems like Jesus kind of got off track sometimes with his calling. Because out of that time away, he's like, let's go somewhere else. Like we're in the wrong place or we're staying too long. It's time to move. And I find this reassuring because it's taken me a lot of years to figure out my calling. So don't worry if you haven't figured it out yet. It could take you 20 or 30 years. I'm just saying. Um, I think sometimes we think we should know when we're like three to five years old and just play the violin the rest of our life, which if you can do that, that's amazing. I'm very jealous. But most of us don't figure it out that young. So he took, it took him a while to figure this out. He had to check in from time to time. And sometimes I think he had to course correct. The time away was primarily a time of solitude, of listening and receiving truth, receiving God's presence and guidance. And there's lots of ways to listen to truth. So just to look at this amazing diagram again. Um, when we listen to truth, there are challenges to it. Um, a couple of them are we're just prone, some of us are prone to really listen to ourselves only and we don't like what the truth says. Have you ever noticed that? Like when you're in maybe a bad friendship that's kind of mean to you, and all your friends are like, hey, why do you put up with that? You know, and They're like, because we're friends. You know, I don't want to lose this person. But there's this truth that's coming in that's saying, hey, like anytime you share something vulnerable, they go and tell everybody. You know how that makes you feel? <laughs> and I think sometimes we're scared if we listen to the truth, we're going to lose relationships. And that does happen sometimes. But sometimes we just need a boundary. Like, hey, maybe don't share personal things with that person so much, right? <laughs> like, that might, might just solve it right there. Um, sometimes we're prone to listen to others so much, and we're afraid to risk rejection. We may jeopardize pseudo-belonging. And I want to say that real belonging invites us to be with our truth and say things that could break the relationship from time to time that might get us kicked out. And so, yeah, sometimes truth will invite us to push that envelope. But I wanted to invite us this week to practice listening to the truth more. And one way to do that is to take an area that's really challenging and spend some time journaling this week, writing about it, and see if you can identify like a thought or belief you have about that. And then, I don't know if anybody's a fan of Byron Katie, but she's got a great book called Loving What Is. And she takes it through these four questions, okay? So I'm gonna just give you the questions and an example. So the first question is, is it true? So just take the belief, is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true, like 100%? How do you react when you believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? Okay, so I'm taking you through this really quickly, but I'm going to give an example. Again, this could be part of the 90% you ignore today, but um, one of my beliefs I came across is I have to give a lot to be worthy of love, which is why the song Jamie Let Us In made me cry. I was like, oh. Um, so I, I said, is it true? I have to give a lot to be worthy of love. It's like, it seems that way. When I give a lot, it seems like people love me more, so maybe it's true. But I got to question two, can I absolutely know it's true? And I'm like, no, I can't know 100%. 
So I was like, okay. And then the third one is, how do you react when you believe that thought? When I believe I have to generate my worthiness to love, when I live that way, I feel a huge weight in my chest and an incredible sadness. And there's a constant fear around whether I'm doing enough. That makes sense. So that belief is so heavy in me when I am really going with it. How would you be or who would you be without that thought? When I try that on, I'm lighter, I'm freer, I'm kinder, I'm more patient. And then the final thing she invites you to do is try the opposite. I don't have to give anything to be worthy of love. I'm already worthy and loved. That's one of the core things you can get by being here. This belief that you somehow are already worthy of love. It's really profound. It's not really prevalent in our culture. So listening to truth, like a baby. Baby doesn't have to do anything, you know, totally loved. <laughs> she not have to perform. <laughs> anything, you know, anyway, we don't go. But the empathy with wisdom, the listening to truth is how Jesus knew what to do. But I'd like to suggest that equally important to that type of knowing is knowing what not to do, knowing what not to expend our resources on. Like, sometimes we're trying to decide, should I do this good thing or this bad thing? Okay, usually when we're younger, hopefully we grow out of it. But when we get older, a lot of times it's like, okay, here's 20 good things. Which one should I, which few should I do? And a lot of times we're like, let's do all 20 of them, which goes great, right? Because then you're like totally miserable. I heard that saying, the enemy of the best is the good. Yeah, if you want to be miserable, try to do everything. That'll, I, I'm saying that to myself. I'm not judging you for that. Um, but we see that there's this third kind of listening, which actually helps us pare it down and focus on what are the few things I'm being invited to do in my life, in my journey? Who are the few relationships I really want to go deep in and invest in? And this is where we see how Jesus listens to other people and shows what not to do. The passage says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. I always hear this in this kind of like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> kind of tone, like, what's up? And Jesus replied, I imagine calmly, let's go somewhere else. It's the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus listens to his need to be away. He listens to the truth and God, and now he's clear on his purpose. And what's just as important is he listens to other people and knows who to listen to and who to ignore. Have you found that? Like some people are helpful in your life when they give advice and some people not so much. They're looking for him to heal people, and Jesus responds, let's get out of here. Can you imagine their surprise? Like, they're so relieved to find him. Finally, we can get back to work. We can keep the momentum going of the movement. They kind of chastise him. Jesus then just simply responds, and we're leaving. It's puzzling to me when you read how shy Jesus is about healing throughout the accounts of his life. 
He's always telling people to keep healing quiet or moving on in this instance when it interferes with his real purpose to teach and preach good news. So what is it about his arcane teaching that has more, that was more important than doing physical miracles? Like why was it important that he teach and preach than heal people, right? Isn't that kind of weird? My sense is that his subversion of religious oppression and spiritual abuse was more radical than all of his physical healing miracles combined. And if you've experienced someone abusing spiritual power in your life, you know that that's true, actually. In verse 38, he says, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can heal? No, so I can preach there also, so I can teach a message of news that's so good and so needed. That's why I've come. He came to preach a message so dangerous he was murdered for it, not for healing. So if we think we know who God is and it's more radical and subversive, and it's not more radical and subversive than physical healing, I'd say we've done the same thing that the people of Jesus' day have done. They've fallen asleep to what's real. I think many of us bear the scars of wounds at the hands of religion. And there's good news for you here. There's a message um, much deeper than that one. Jesus listening to others, really hearing what they expected from him, made his direction clear, and he did the exact opposite. (laughs) But he listened, and it helped him to differentiate it from God's voice, from the truth. Imagine having that much freedom. Okay, so back to the cool diagram. (laughs) So there's challenges to listening to others. So one is we can be so committed to our individuality and our authenticity that we don't really know how to listen to other people. Have you ever been stuck where you're in your own loop and you can't hear someone else? Will I lose myself if I adapt? Or we can be so focused on the truth we fear a loss of our integrity. Like, am I compromising if I allow others to affect my understanding? And yet the Jewish people always carried truth in community. And they formed their understanding through talking, through midrash, through arguing, in a way that was actually beneficial in in connecting, not in a mean way that I know of. So this week, I want to invite us to practice listening to others, to maybe ask a person or two you trust for some advice. And then see if the advice resonates with you. Sometimes people give bad advice. I've given bad advice. Anybody give bad advice? Like you look back and you're like, oh, I'm really sorry I suggested that. Okay, so I had a moment this week. This is another teenage daughter story. um, Where I got to practice all three kinds of listening. And you would think I'd be good at listening because it's my job as a counselor, a spiritual director. You'd think like, Jason's probably pretty good at this. But when it comes to my daughter, I'm not always the best. Recently, she just came to me and she's like, Dad, I'm so tired. To which I just immediately offered, yeah, maybe you should cut back on your caffeine late at night or the midnight snacks, you know, maybe you'd sleep better. And she just kind of looked at me like, die. (laughs) And what she said was not helpful. Could you just listen? (laughs) 
when I share things, because sometimes it's actually really simple. Like, I was up till 4 a.m. last night playing video games and talking with my friends. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was, like, totally wrong. But in that moment, I knew she was right. I listened to her. And then I listened to myself, and I realized I'm just nervous about her having a good life. But I don't want to relate to her out of fear. So I listened to the truth. It's time to trust her to her own journey. It's time to let go. And I'm scared. But in that moment, I heard her, and I replied, oh, I'm really sorry, sweetie. And she asked, is that how you, is that how you are with yourself? <laughs> she asked me that. I'm like, totally. If I have a hard time sleeping, I go through and think of everything I ate, everything I drank the night before, because sleep is so important, and nothing can mess with sleep. It's so valuable. But I told her, I'll take a check on that. Unless you ask me, I'm really, gonna tr I'm really trying. I'm doing good so far. It's been like a week. I'm not going to offer you any advice. <laughs> That's what I told her. Now you're all witnesses. I'll just try to listen and empathize. And she's like, great, thank you so much. And she gave me a hug. It's like, oh. So discernment, real listening, real hearing happens for us when we practice soft listening in these areas of our life. It keeps us from just listening to ourselves and becoming a protective shell or self-absorbed or just listening to others and running ourselves ragged into the ground to please them or react to them. It keeps us from only listening to the truth and becoming disconnected, talking heads that no one wants to know. What does it look like to practice this week? Where am I being invited to listen more? Is it with yourself? Is it to the truth? Is it to others? One of my favorite quotes, we're just going to end on this in a prayer, comes from the exquisitely solitary poet Emily Dickinson. She was so painfully shy, she had very few connection points. And one of her few friends was someone she wrote letters to for 25 years. And I think it wasn't until after they'd been writing letters, it was six or eight years, they actually met in person one time. And she penned these amazing words to this friend. She said, I felt, I felt it shelter to speak with you. I felt it shelter to speak with you. And I wonder what it would be like for this community to become known for your capacity to listen. What would that be like to have that as your legacy in this community? Like there's a people who really listen to themselves and they really listen to the truth and to one another. A people whose hearts are slowly becoming softer over time. So my prayer for you, UBC, is that you may become a place where people experience shelter in your presence with one another. This is my deepest prayer today. In the name of a God who seems to enjoy hearing us in all of the messy and neat variations of our humanity. Amen.